On this episode, we take one last trip to a galaxy far, far away and visit the last entry of the Skywalker saga, The Rise of Skywalker. Get your popcorn ready. It's too dangerous. I need to go alone. We're all in this till the end. We've got friends out there. Good people will fight if we lead them. They've taken enough of us. Now we take the war to them. Let the final battle begin. Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Ready PG-13. Get tickets now. Welcome all you good movie buddies to The Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie, theater, popcorn, and other movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, how you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, you know, some holiday cheer. Yeah, man. We're Keeping putting a- this out on Christmas Eve. Keeping my tradition of getting my shopping done on Christmas Eve. So As always. I went last night till like midnight and I already went to the mall again today. So I'm, I'm doing well. Excellent. So for uh, before we even get started, happy holidays, happy whatever you celebrate, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever. Festivus. I, Festivus for the rest of us. I hope winter solstice, whatever you celebrate. I hope it's a good one, Um, but we are here, above all else, David, to talk, we're here to dive back into Star Wars again, and I didn't think, I mean, I guess after The Last Jedi, I I could have predicted it, but it feels like, okay, it's Star Wars again, it's time to, to wade back into the, you know, into the swamp, it feels like we're putting ourselves at risk here talking about Star Wars because much like Star Wars, the fandom, there are fandom wars, right? It's true. Fandom is, is the fandom of one of the most beloved stories in modern times. We're at each other's throats now. Not us, not you and me, although you, I know, have plenty to say. I do have plenty to and, say. And I obviously have plenty to say, as always. But... What we're going to talk about today, we're kind of going to break it down into three major parts, kind of kind of four major parts. And, and I don't usually lay out the episode like this, but the first thing I want to do is I want to recap The Last Jedi. I want to recap, again, what we thought about it. I want to recap what a lot of people seem to have issues with about it. Uh, you, Of course, you can always listen to our Last Jedi episode, our Star Wars episode from uh, 2017. It's out there. Uh, you can find it. But then I want to talk about people re- people's reaction to Rise of Skywalker and why it's been so confusing. Then I want to obviously get into our non-spoiler thoughts. All of that is going to be non-spoilers except for spoilers for The Last Jedi. And then after all of that, we can really dive deep into spoilers. We can really address fandom as a whole. Some of these think piece articles that have been written because you and I kind of have counter points to all of them. Uh, I have some major issues with a lot of those unanswered questions, think pieces that are out. But like I said, let's start with The Last Jedi. I, I want to know why. why. Why fandom has basically become 
this, you either love it or you hate it, and whatever you choose is wrong. I'm confused about this. And, and it's difficult because you have people who are willfully ignorant, you have people who are genuinely ignorant, or you have people who are acting in bad faith. So going back to The Last Jedi, do you remember a lot of the criticisms of The Last Jedi? Uh, do, do, you, do you, like if you could name a couple? Sure, like I mean... What I, ones pop out to you? I think first and foremost, I think the one that immediately pops out is uh, Ray's heritage her or lack her, thereof or lack thereof sure. being that she came from nobody which kind of played into this whole theme of the force isn't just with the jedi the right. forces went in all of us there's nothing special about the jedi luke has a line at one point in the movie that says you know how vain of it was it of the jedi to think that the force would die with them or something right. along those lines or right. that they couldn't survive without the jedi mm-hmm um, you also have things like the way that older characters were treated, um, whether it be Leia or Admiral Akbar or even Luke to some sure. degree. Um, I think a lot of people were expecting The Last Jedi was Luke and that he was going to somehow be the hero in this film and right. yada, 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 yada. He's going to dust off his, 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 his cloaks and... And be the galactic badass that we've always imagined him to be. Yeah, and so I think in general, if I had to classify Last Jedi in, in any way, as I would say, um, is that Ryan Johnson made some unexpected decisions, probably for most, mm-hmm. from like your traditional expectations of what we would get in the middle movie of this trilogy i think even things like i think people wanted to see snoke's background like you got a little bit of him um in the first movie in force awakens and then in the second movie we saw that we actually get to see him meet him in person right and i think people were expecting that maybe we'd get some kind of background or he'd played a major role and obviously that turned on its head as well and so i think all of those things were just not quite traditional to maybe you know if you went in a straight line with star wars and just kept to the same patterns some of those were departures from those those patterns sure uh, on the surface but i think if you dig into it further and i think that's where you know my reaction to last jedi was anytime you're in a trilogy or a series like you can't really judge the middle movie right. until you get the last movie. Right. Like you can make judgments about how well made it is, how the acting is, how right. the action is, all that kind of stuff. But you can't fully judge the story until you get the end because I mean if you look at Empire, like if someone judged just a new hope and then Empire, like there'd probably be a lot of people that have issues like exactly. with the way that it ended. Exactly. Or even if you judge the original trilogy as a whole, you can you can see if you're not being obtuse, you can see matches in the way that Luke Skywalker. Now granted, we know Luke Skywalker's previous story, right? Yeah. But Luke Skywalker is discovered to be this hermit. He doesn't want anything to do with the Jedi anymore. He's he's seen too much. He's put himself in exile. He doesn't trust himself. You know who else was in exile? Yoda. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yoda. All these guys. Like, they were in exile, and we didn't have any explanation. We didn't have... Granted, we didn't have their backstory either in three previous movies, not until the 90s till we got the prequels. Sure. But, like, 
oh, Darth Vader goes from from killing, wanting to kill Luke Skywalker and shoot him down during the Death Star run in the first movie to, oh, now they want to turn him and suddenly Vader is Luke's father maybe in the second one. Yeah. You can have the same arguments about the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. If you like it, it's and that's my biggest problem with this. As you said, the story is not complete. Even now, as we sit here with the rise of Skywalker being the quote unquote end of the Skywalker saga, we know that there's not going to be no more Star Wars. There's going to be a lot more Star Wars. Yes. And it will continue expanding on themes, ideas and concepts introduced in this sequel trilogy. I find that a lot of those issues, again, are either. Deep, deeply seated in willful ignorance or bad faith. Um, particularly people complain about how there's no character arcs. They complain that Finn and Rose and their whole Can- Canto Bright subplot had nothing to do with anything, which isn't true at all. You know, it it showed a different side of the war. It helped Finn grow. It allowed Rose to represent a, a, a grunt in the in the you know rebellion resistance excuse me like it showed sides it showed sides of the war that we had never seen before it also also introduced the character of DJ who was this gray area character who's really interesting like he's purely out for himself he's like okay I'll help you guys oh I'm in a better position I'm gonna help these guys like that's something we hadn't seen in Star Wars before you know. There, there, and there are certain like legitimate criticisms. You know the Akbar criticism, the way Admiral Akbar went out. But again, Admiral Akbar is like a side character in Return of the Jedi, known for saying like one line. It's a drop. And we're really gonna bitch about his death. I get it, but at the same time, victimless crimes. You know, like it, it, I, I don't get it. And you and I liked Last Jedi. Right? Yeah, you like Last I enjoyed Jedi. It. I'll say right now, I think Last Jedi is still my favorite of the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. I think it's incredibly made. I love Ryan Johnson as a filmmaker. And to see people describe that film with words like disrespectful, trash, not my Star Wars, signing up for remake petitions, calling for Ryan Johnson's head, it's just irrational. Uh-huh. And so, again, you and I liked The Last Jedi. Go back to our Last Jedi episode and listen to it. Um, but now, David, I want to just talk briefly about the reaction to Rise of Skywalker because it seems like the same thing except coming from the different direction. Sure. And the one thing we didn't talk about in The Last Jedi, and this is one major thing that I want to talk about now, is a lot of those complaints were due to expectation. Yeah. They were due to, we haven't seen Luke Skywalker in 30 some odd years. We we only, we saw him at the end of Return of the Jedi. We never saw him now. So everybody has had decades to build up what they think Luke became afterwards. They had all of these extended universe stories sure. about what Luke did and what Luke became and whatnot. And those expectations mutated into you didn't do what I expected you to do, and so therefore it is bad, and I am angry. And I mm-hmm. think that that is a fundamental misunderstanding of the way that we consume stories. Sure. The way that stories are told to us, you know, are not like, uh, I, this is a deep cut, but like you think about the Princess Bride, 
right? Mm -hmm. That's a grandfather telling his grandson a story. And the grandson will bitch every now and then. But then the the grandfather is like, do you want me to tell the story or not? Yep. That's essentially (laughs) what is happening right now. And so you had all these people in The Last Jedi. Call them what you will. A lot of people write off all the people who complain about Last Jedi as man babies or, you know, it's mostly straight white males, blah, 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 blah. But now you have people who are reacting to The Last Jedi who are angry that it did not go in directions that they expected it to go or wanted it to go. They are using very similar phrases. Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker, excuse me. Yeah, and I'm probably going to do that a couple times. But, like, I I want to know what you think about Rise of Skywalker and the more, more accurately the reaction to it. We've had people I've pulled... I have tweets, I have receipts of sure. people tweeting about the film, calling it horrible, calling it horrific, calling it a mess, calling it pathetic, for the angry bros, people sobbing in disappointment, people wanting to cancel J.J. Abrams. I saw a tweet that that alleged that their entire theater booed and flipped off the screen. And as much as I try not to in, engage in the discourse, David, mm-hmm. and I, as much as I did not engage in that tweet, I just wanted to call that person a liar. Like, I just sure. don't believe you. Sure. And so what are your thoughts, without getting into spoilers, what are your thoughts on the reaction of it? Because to me, again, it's become this seesaw of I want – something i want you to continue something and if you don't do it i'm going to be furious sure well i think first and foremost we saw it on the opening night not the first showing but we saw it at 9:45 at night and at the end there was quite a few people in our theater that clapped we had applause yeah so there was applause at the end of ours um in in general my thoughts on rise of skywalker I think first and foremost, I think you have to go into this film. You don't have to. You can come into this film however you want. But if you come into this film with the mindset that this is going to be the bookend to 40 years of Skywalker and nine movies, technically 11 if you want to count Solo and Rogue One, I would for sure count Rogue One, obviously. But oh, yeah. Whether you want to throw Solo in there as well, you can. Sure. But... Thinking of it as the bookend to those movies and this storyline that every one of those movies had a Skywalker in there in some form. Mm -hmm. Every one of those movies had Sith, dark side, light side, all that kind of stuff. A struggle between whether it was the Republic, whether it was the Empire, whether it was the... First order. Even in Solo and Rogue One, Solo's got, you know, Paul Bettany doing his Paul Bettany thing. He's, yep. You got Darth Maul popping up. Rogue One, you got yep. Vader showing up. Yep. You got the Empire. So there's always been in this series this balance. And, and we'll get into this in spoilers more. But um, if you come into it thinking we are coming to see a celebration slash end of an era, I think you will really enjoy the decisions that J.J. Abrams makes and the way that things go. Now, the thing that I'll say on on a high level is that this packs in a ton of stuff. It's like, a lot of movie. There's a lot of movie in two hours and 22 minutes or, or however long it is. I think it, that's the runtime. Yeah, it's 2.22 and it moves fast, admittedly. Yeah. Like, it, it moves fast. We're introduced to a handful of new characters, but it's mostly, you know... 
mostly the same characters outside of a couple of, of exceptions and right. one major exception. But, you know, from my standpoint, it does a good job of building off of Last Jedi. Yes, it kind of goes against the grain of where maybe people felt like Last Jedi was leading us. Sure. Um, and I so I can see people's disappointment that we're big, huge fans of Last Jedi going different than type for Star Wars. I right. could see how there could be frustrations about this not maybe continuing down the path. They felt like Ryan Johnson started it down. Right. That being said, I think this movie does a good job of not just disregarding Last Jedi, but also staying true to the other 10 movies that we had in this franchise. Not disregarding The Last Jedi, but like still including Yeah, not disregarding it, including a lot of the concepts. And I think if people stepped away from just their gut reaction of the specific decisions that are made within there and looked at the bigger picture, um, not just this as a singular movie, but this as the 11th movie of 11. Right. I think they would have a better opinion of it. Maybe not. I mean, maybe again, we, we talk about it all the time. This is art. People would interpret it in their own ways. We're not going to tell someone they're stupid because they didn't think this was a great movie. Sure. Um, just, Im- just, that- like, just like we would expect them not to say it back to us. That's but- very important that we say that, that I'm not ragging on anybody. I'm not, I'm not saying that you should not like the movie. Like Your opinion is your opinion, and it is valid. J.J. Abrams even came out. And said during a Q&A, they had an Academy screening, and during the Q&A, they asked him, like, what do you think about the critics? And he said, they're right. You know, the, 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 and, and I've seen people call him out for that, like, this is the same middle-of-the-road nonsense you would expect. And it's like, but he's talking about people's opinions, yeah. and people's opinions are not incorrect, and that's no. important to mention that. But I do feel that people's opinions are often influenced incorrectly whether it be from poor discernment of the film whether it be from suffering from being having unfulfilled expectations whether it be from being too privileged you know we see that in this day and age of quote-unquote internet journalism we see entirely too many articles written by bloggers bloggers who never went to journalism school bloggers who never learned film criticism they're just bloggers who run their own websites now that get millions of views, much like you and I. Sure. And they write these articles about how five things we need to see in the next Star Wars or five questions that must be answered or this is why Kylo Ren deserves his own standalone movie. And that type of privileged like approach really frustrates me because you don't need to see anything. You don't deserve anything. You get the story that's told to you. Sure. Well, and and here's here's what I would say too that I think just creates a really unique situation with Star Wars versus anything else that we've really seen. The first Star Wars came out what in the 70s? Yeah, 77, S- I believe. Yeah, somewhere around there. And today is 2019. So there's, I can't really think of any other franchises that have continued the same story, not done reboots or remakes, but continued the same story right. for 42 years. Yeah. You think about the amount of people that have seen Star Wars, the amount of people that have grown up on it in different phases. Mm-hmm. Like you have the people that grew up on the original three, and then you have the people that went and saw the remastered when they were a kid in theaters. Dad took me to the remastered. Then you have the people that 
started with the prequels. You we camped out for the prequels. We did, and then you have the people that like James, who came with us. Right. Uh, you have the young generation, the next generation that has only seen these last three movies. Exactly. So everybody's coming from different situations. You have people that, like me, read a lot of the like offshoot books, like the bounty hunter stories and a lot oh, of the yeah, other the things. And the you've Knights got the, the video Republic. games, you've got the clone wars, the animated stuff. Yep. You've got all sorts of different content that has been out there because it's been around for 42 years and yep. George Lucas likes to make money. And so he found lots of different opportunities and ways to allow the Star Wars world to grow right. without necessarily advocating and calling any of it canon. Yeah. But the problem is, is people that are fans of Star Wars latch on to certain things and latch on to things that, as you said, they believe to be the best story or right. the way that things should go. Generationally. And so when all of a sudden out of relatively nowhere we get told that we're going to have three more movies in the Star Wars saga. Right. Everybody already has expectations of what that's going to look like. And right. when that's not what it is, people get upset, which is fine. Again, there's nothing wrong with being upset. There's nothing wrong with being disappointed. Sure. But at the same time, I think everybody needs to recognize that just because it didn't do what you wanted does not mean that it is bad garbage whatever. whatever like it's fine if 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 people want to say these are my least three favorite of the series that's fine that's like fine. that's perfectly fine like someone's got to be a last place i would argue it should be clone wars but right that's fine if you want to put these below clone wars go for it right i get it like and and that's and or attack and, of the clones attack of the clones yeah and again it's all opinion everybody has their different entry points and I think that's another thing that people are missing is context, you know? People, whether they be the first, the people in the 70s and 80s who, who watched the original trilogy and watched that story unfold, whether they be people like you and me who were, what, 13, I think, when The Phantom Menace came out, because that came out in 99, I believe, and that was, you know, we did the remasters, but we also had the prequels. To, as you said, the people now, the 10, 12-year-olds who are walking out of Rise of Skywalker and are like, that's the best movie I've ever seen. Like, that's important, man. It's important for us to remember and maintain the context in which people are approaching these films. And I think that that's one thing that a lot, a lot of people are missing out on. Um, now, we obviously, I want to get into more of that specifically, but... That is going to require spoilers. And before we get to spoilers, I want to actually talk about the film itself. Not the fandom, not the criticisms, but what we thought of The Rise of Skywalker. Um, to me personally, I mean, again, in a word, I had a blast. Mm -hmm. I, I had a great time with The Rise of Skywalker. I really enjoyed it. It's not a perfect movie. It's I don't have – it's not without its nitpicks. I have plenty of little nitpicks. But those do not make a, a bad movie, in my opinion. Those do not ruin the movie-going experience for me. I still think The Last Jedi is the most creative visually. And I don't think there is a shot in The Rise of Skywalker that is as memorable as some of the shots in The Last Jedi. Okay, Again, that doesn't make this a bad movie. Um, it is very fast. The first hour or so of this movie... Feels like an Indiana Jones movie kind of sped up. And 
to some people that might be uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Disorienting. Some people might not be able to keep up. Um, clearly, some people weren't able to keep up because I saw articles written that asked questions that had clear answers in the movie. Yeah. But for the most part, I mean, just right off the top of my head, I really enjoyed The Rise of Skywalker. I, 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 I really need to see it again. And it has me excited for what's to come. But I'll get more into that as we go on. What did you think? You know, I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, this, Like I said earlier, I think this was a great ending to this saga that we've been following for so long. I agree visually. Um, maybe it's not quite what Last Jedi was. I feel like Last Jedi, though, went out of its way to create iconic shots. Like, sure. We're going to go to this planet where when you drive on it, red dust that's comes up. Like, Yeah, that's great. Like, let's just make up something about a planet that makes it look really cool on screen. Perfect. Which is fine. That's but amazing. Like, those were like decisions that I felt like were made. And that's just the most vivid example I can sure. think of the from Last Jedi. The throne room in The Last Jedi. The Holdo maneuver. Yeah. You know? Whereas I felt like this movie, I would classify as a little bit more of a like hardworking movie from the standpoint of we're gonna we're gonna try to do a lot there's a lot of we're not gonna get caught up in like stopping to smell the roses and like (laughs) showing off like are you calling the the visual shots in last jedi pretentious a little just a just a smidge just a smidge like there's some shots where you're like okay like we're 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 showing off a bit here. Oh. That's fine. Oh man, which That's is great. So I I like when movies show off. This That's movie, fine. Does, yeah, and this and this movie has beautiful shots in it. It, it does. has amazing sequences, but you're right. It's just it's got a lot of plot. I think the other thing about this movie that makes it a little bit di- more difficult to compete with, um, Last Jedi is that a lot of this movie I feel like takes place in darkness. There's a lot of night. Uh, uh, portion. Yeah. There's a lot of night portions. There's a couple of the planets that they visit is very mm-hmm. dark. Um, One's very e- sunny. Even even where the hideout is 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 in a jungle. Right. Um, and that's not too big of a spoiler from that standpoint. But so I think a lot of that doesn't lend, and that's why I say I feel like a lot of the things that Ryan Johnson decided was let's play into things that are going to visually look fantastic. Right. Whereas this movie seemed more about like let's. Let's get let's get stuff done. We gotta get like stuff we gotta done. get a lot of stuff done. We gotta go a lot of places. We gotta do a lot of things. Sure. And, and, and so I think uh, to your point, I think that lends to like I feel like I walked out of it, and I don't want to draw too many comparisons to this, but like I walked out of it in a lot of ways, like I did Endgame, and I'm not going to come here and make a statement of which one's better or anything like that. Sure. But I walked out of it in a similar way to Endgame, in that I felt like it was a satisfying end to something I've been very much emotionally and in, <laughs> invested in for a long time. Right. And I felt satisfied from that standpoint. But I also felt like that was a lot to take. Right. I probably need to go and see this movie again because I'm sure there's stuff I missed. Oh, like, sure. You think of the end fight and end game. Like, there was so much going on. It's like, I'm sure there's things happening in the background that... Right. I'm, it's going to take me four or five times to watch. Right, or and I, I think, need the I need the time travel explained to me. And again. I think and I think that's going to be similar with with uh, 
Rise, Rise of Skywalker. Skywalker in that people are going to need to revisit it to truly appreciate all the things that are in there. And I think that's where also like I would ask, I would tell people like you may miss some things that may lead to you being upset or sure. pointing out flaws. Sure. We found plenty of those examples in some of the criticisms of yes. like you just weren't watching closely enough. Right. Or you, I think you missed something. Yeah. And so I think it's it's one of those things where some people like that. Some people don't. Like some people are like, why should I have to see a movie multiple times to catch sure. everything? Sure. Or it shouldn't be so difficult to track. That's perfectly fine opinion. And I get the validity in that. Not everybody has time to spend six plus hours watching a movie over and over again. Right. Absolutely. That being said, I think there's other side of the coin is that there's stuff to come back to. Yeah. There's reasons to go back to There's it. as they call Disney rides, there is rewrideability. Yeah, There's exactly. Rewatchability here. Yeah, and I think there will be that for people um with this movie as well. I think there are a lot of little de- and a lot of people forget and there are a lot of little details in this movie that don't go spelled out. They don't go fully explained. And a lot of people are really mad about that, but I like that. That's every Star Wars movie. Yeah. Every Star Wars movie is like, here's this weird alien, and we're not going to tell you anything about it, but somebody's going to flesh out its backstory at some point in some visual dictionary or some book or something like that. Every single movie has done that. You know, you think about Attack of the Clones. Remember they went to that freaking diner and he met the diner guy? Remember when he goes to the the, the Jedi uh, library and meets the, the snippy Jedi librarian? Like, there are whole stories featuring those those characters, yep. you know? Jar Jar. Jar Jar didn't didn't really have a payoff in, in the original or in the prequel trilogy. He was big in one movie. They scaled him back big for the second movie and then he's like in two scenes in the third movie yeah. right cameo they, they do it in this movie uh maz Kanata is a great example of somebody who was big in the first movie who had like a single cameo shot in the second movie and is back a little bit here as well yeah, and a little bit more in this one and there are characters that were introduced in the last jedi that don't get a lot to do in this movie okay and i can certainly see how that might upset people, but it is does not go against the grain of Star Wars. And if you go to all the movies, like the first series, it was about Anakin and Obi-Wan and uh, Padme. The like, prequel trilogy. Prequel trilogy, sure. yeah. Those were the three characters it was about. Right. Like, at the end of the day, and you could argue Palpatine as well. Sure. But, like, really it was about those three. Yeah. The next one... Han Solo, Luke, Luke Leia. <laughs> or Leia, yeah, and other other characters to fill out, you know, C3PO yeah, obviously R2-D2. Vader on the dark side, Vader from that standpoint, Lando, like they're all in it. Like you can only serve so many people, unless, especially if you're telling a story about specific characters, like you can only fill in so many like supporting casts. Right. Like there's gonna be supporting casts that have meaningful interactions, meaningful moments. Mm-hmm. But it's you, you're going to end up with a six-hour movie or a miniseries if, <laughs> if you really want to serve all these characters through every film. Which isn't the worst idea in the world. No, and that's why, you know, I think some of the problems people have is, you know, maybe ties back to the fact that, like, storytelling and the way that we consume these stories has right. changed so much. Like, people right. are loving The Mandalorian. 
we're able to go in way more depth into characters than in we've universe. ever in the universe than we've ever been able to do in any of the Star Wars movies. Like I would one could argue that Mandalorian has explored just as much as the 11 movies that we've gotten, you know, one in a could, lot yeah. of ways. Like there's new been planets, old planets, new characters, old characters, new concepts, all that kind of stuff. Right. And so I think you know, we've gotten used to like Game of Thrones and other things like that how we consume you know, these stories, we want more detail. We want all yeah. the background and that kind of stuff. And I think sometimes we forget, like, that's not what movies typically do. Like, we don't get that from movies as much. Unless well, you've got a 22-part <laughs> Marvel right. series where we get 22 movies to explore it. We right. have, we've had half of that in Star Wars. And some people argue that, like, you shouldn't have to read a book to understand a character and whatnot. And, like, okay, fine, except that's built into Star Wars. Like, Star Wars was always about learning about, you know, characters more in the, you know, appendices or whatever you call it. And I really like the characters in this movie. This movie puts the three main characters together on their adventure. It puts Finn, Poe, and Rey together. And I love, like, the, the camaraderie that they have. They're all super energetic. They're super lively. They're fun to be with. You learn things about Poe that you didn't know before. You learn things about Finn that you didn't know before. You learn things about Rey that you didn't know before. I love that. I love that they bring C-3PO back into the mix. I love the new characters that they introduce, whether it be, you know, um, Naomi Aki as Janna, whether it be Richard E. Grant as General Pride, whether it be Carrie Russell as Zori Bliss. And listen, they don't all have, you know, their own full character arcs. They don't have, oh, let me sit here for 10 minutes and explain to you my backstory, okay? Zori Bliss is a character who wears a helmet most of the movie. And I've seen some people bitch like, why would you bother putting Carrie Russell into this movie if she's going to wear the helmet the entire time? Well, because she's a good actor and because she's able to use emotion in her body and in her body language um, and in her voice to carry out a character. Also, like, her and J.J. are tight. Why wouldn't you want to get one of your buddies into Star Wars? Why do you use big names in animated movies if it doesn't matter? Like, right. there's there's a reason to use big names because right. they're great actors there's more to acting than just looking good on screen. Why do you keep why does Tom Hardy keep wearing masks, you know? Cuz he doesn't need the full face, although I'm sure many people would wish he would use his full face more. Sure. But like I love the characters in this movie. I loved hanging out with the characters. I loved going through the journey with the characters in this movie. Um I really liked the planet hopping. We get a lot of planets in this movie. And it, like I said before, it reminded me a lot of Indiana Jones. Some people call it, you know, video game quests or whatever, but it's not. It's finding the clues. I got to find the thing. I got to discover the mystery. And maybe that's not what people wanted out of this movie. Fine. But here, I, I here's the thing that, as I thought and kind of marinated on the movie more, one of the things that's nice about all the planet hopping and all the things that are introduced is we're talking about how this is the end of an era, an end of the Skywalker saga. And yet the great part about this film is that we're introduced to so many new places, new concepts that yes, don't get fully addressed and we don't get to fully explore. Sure. But that also gives Disney, the creators of Star Wars, the ability to see how people react to different 
characters, different storylines, different planets, different things like that, and see what people gravitate to, and they can explore that further. You know, we got Mandalorian in a lot of ways, you know, I think partly in type as a response to people wanting a Boba Fett movie, and while we're not getting a Boba Fett movie, we're getting, obviously, a character very similar to Boba Fett, and so I think... Because Disney owns this and it's not so tightly controlled by Lucas anymore, like the opportunities are endless. And I think this movie did a good job of resolving the past and putting a bow on this series, but also leaving enough doors open and concepts out there that we could, you know, have greater areas to explore as well. Well, that's what really excites me. Like, like as you said, I would, I would argue and I know we say that a lot, I would argue, or it's our opinion, but I think that's important, you know. But I would argue that uh, kind of along the same lines, as you said before, this movie serves as a better finale to the saga as a whole than maybe a direct sequel to The Last Jedi. Sure. Right? And that's fine. I'm willing to admit that. I'm willing to admit that there are some things that they do completely differently that were done in The Last Jedi that stuck out to me, but that's nitpicky. You know, I still think a lot of the big concepts they introduced in The Last Jedi are still in play here. And not only that, but I think it's important that this wraps up the Skywalker saga. It wraps up the heroes. It wraps up the villains. It wraps up all of this and puts a bow on it, right? That This is, like I said at the beginning, this is not going to be our last Star Wars. There's going to be more Star Wars. And what was so fun about The Last Jedi that I, again, dispute was refuted in The Rise of Skywalker. I do not believe the, the, one of the main sort of themes of The Last Jedi, which is greatness can come from anywhere. You know, anybody can be attuned to the Force, whether it be Rey, whether it be a stable boy, whatever. I still think that that theme is very true here despite some revelations in the film that we'll get into, I still think that um, I think it's really important that we explore those themes. But now that we're done with Skywalker, now we can actually explore those themes. And that's what's got me really excited because Ryan Johnson is still working on Star Wars stuff. He's still... I mean, I hope that they don't walk it back because you never know with what they do with Star Wars. I mean... You know, and we'll get into kind of the the tumultuous run that Kathleen Kennedy has had as sort of the overlord of Star Wars. But I hope Ryan Johnson gets to tell more Star Wars stories. And I think that now that the Skywalker saga has been put a bow on it, we can get into the rest of the universe without having to worry about where's Luke, where's Leia, where's Han. Like, we had to put those characters to bed. We had to give those characters an end so that now we can tell these other stories with these other characters. And and whether or not that means we're going to get Poe back, whether or not that means we're going to get Rey or Finn back in other movies or other series, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if these guys are, are over it. I don't know if they want to go out and explore their other things and whatnot. Certainly, the one who I think has the most going on, obviously, is Adam Driver. But Oscar Isaac is a big enough star to handle himself. John Boyega has done plenty of other things. John, John Boyega should be a superstar. That guy has charisma to spare. Daisy Ridley, the same thing. All really, really good actors. They all got things going for him. But, 
you know, bringing them back here is is going to be something that uh, maybe it's more difficult than than they think. The other thing that I want to mention, and, and the reason why I brought up the, oh, I'm not really sure about where Ryan Johnson's going to be in the future, not to get too, you know, off track here, but I think it's important to mention Kathleen Kennedy, unlike uh, Kevin Feige, has had a rough and tumble kind of history with Star Wars, you know, Force Awakens came out and everybody loved it, but everybody also admitted that, well, it's kind of just Star Wars again. Last Jedi came out, divided the fan base. Rogue One apparently needed to go through reshoots with a different director. Solo, she straight up fired uh, Lord and Miller off of Solo and gave the rest of it to Ron Howard. And now you have the the the, the rocky terrain <laughs> or the uh, the rough waters of navigating Rise of Skywalker and having a good chunk of the fandom seemingly pissed off about it and then that that can't be easy for Kathleen Kennedy to deal with either but I think that Star Wars has been really good the last five years we've gotten five years of continuous Star Wars going all the way back to 2015 with Force Awakens 2016 2017 2018 and now 2019 we got the Mandalorian we got Disney Plus we got an Obi-Wan series that's going to be coming in Disney Plus um, we who is going to be show run by Deborah Chow which is really exciting because she did a couple of the best episodes of the Mandalorian this season we got Mandalorian Season 2 coming out. So, again, I think Star Wars is going to be fine. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about where we think Star Wars is going to go, David. But before we get into all that, we got to give our popcorn ratings. We got to wrap this up. So it's time for the popcorn ratings. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn at the movies. Now, if you've never listened to an episode of The Popcorn Night before, number one, this is... Welcome. This is a weird introduction episode. Go listen to the Last Jedi episode. But if you've, never, if you've never listened to an episode before, we do our movie ratings a little bit differently. Uh, we have five separate popcorn ratings. Not thumbs up, not stars, but five separate popcorn ratings. Uh, the lowest is burnt popcorn. Burnt popcorn means a movie is garbage. Don't waste your time. Even if it's free, it's not worth it. Stale popcorn is like, eh, it's not great. You know, in a pinch, I guess you could do worse, but it's stale popcorn. Probably shouldn't pay any money for it. Maybe watch it for free if it's streaming somewhere. Then we have microwave popcorn, and microwave popcorn is fine. It's middle of the road. You might like microwave popcorn. It might really hit the spot, or it might be really disappointing. It's fine. Your mileage may vary with microwave popcorn. We then have movie theater popcorn, which is, hey, this movie's pretty good. You should... Invest the time, invest the money for a movie-going experience at the theater. See it on a big screen with a crowd. And then last but certainly not least, we have our perfect popcorn. That means go out immediately, see this movie, biggest screen possible, loudest audio system possible, crowdest theater possible. You should definitely go see it. And if we ever, if we ever think that it's a little bit more than one of those or a little bit less than one of those then we throw a soda on there as well but david let let's go to you for your for your popcorn ratings of the rise of skywalker what do you got so i am going to go with movie theater popcorn and a soda okay so if i was taking this movie just at surface value as it is i would call it movie theater popcorn sure but I'm throwing the soda on there because of the good job that I feel like it does wrapping up the Star Wars series. 
so or the Star Wars saga. The saga. So that's where for me it's it's definitely not without its flaws. But listen, this is a Star Wars movie. If you're a fan of Star Wars, get to the theaters. You need to watch this on the theaters. Don't waste your time. I've seen I haven't seen it with Star Wars, but I have seen it with other films. Like somebody tweets a quick review of a film, you know, oh, this movie's garbage. And then I've seen people respond. And I think I said this maybe on the last episode too. I've seen people respond. So glad I dodged a bullet, bought tickets, but returned them after seeing this review. Stop that. Like, make your own decisions on whether or not you want to see this movie. Stop listening to other people's, uh, you know, thoughts and opinions and form your own. That being said, I share your rating. <laughs> um, I am also movie theater popcorn and a soda. Um, Obviously, there are nitpicks. Obviously, there is a lot of movie here. There's a lot of stuff going on. It is jam-packed. It could even maybe make two movies. But that being said, it is Star Wars as hell. It is maybe the most Star Wars movie that they've made. It's got everything. It's got lightsabers. It's got space battles. It's got lightning. It's got evil. It's got good. It's got all kinds of stuff. That you would expect from it. And as like as David said, as a capper to the Skywalker saga, I mean, how, do, how can you not go see it? How can you not go put your butt in the seat and go see it? And for what it's worth, every single person that I know personally, Jeremy, good friend of the podcast, Kai, good friend of the podcast, friends, Leah, good friend of the podcast, everyone that I know that has seen Star Wars has loved it, has really had a good time with it. And I just hope that everybody else has good, a good time with it as well. So that is movie theater popcorn and a soda from the both of us. Now, it's time to get into spoilers, and we're going to spend a lot of time on spoilers. But before we do that, got to take a quick little break. Hey, good movie buddies. Before we continue, I want to remind everyone that you can get regular episodes of the Popcorn Diet delivered to you for free just by hitting the subscribe button or following wherever you're listening from. We always appreciate you taking a few seconds to do that. Give us a rating. Give us, write us a review. Share the Popcorn Diet with any of your good movie buddies. It takes just a second to do it. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet and consider giving a couple of dollars to the podcast. Support creators of the things that you like. You know, you get this podcast delivered to you for free. If you like it, maybe consider becoming a patron for a couple of bucks. Not only is it going to help us improve the podcast in every way, shape, and form, help keep the lights on, if you will, but it's going to give you access to exclusive patron-only episodes like our franchise refills, early access to our regular episodes, and more. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. And last, but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, our top 10 of this year, our top 10 of the decade. Find all of that and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But David, now it's time to get into spoilers, man. And I, again, I don't mean to crap on anybody's opinion. I, I, that's not the design of this podcast. The design of this podcast, our whole mission statement has been to be positive about the movies. And the only way I know how to do that is to sometimes attack the negativity. And I have seen a lot of people cheesed off because, uh, for a number of reasons, you know, maybe, maybe they didn't get the answer they were seeking. 
right? And I think it's important that not every single question, character, thing, item is going to have a detailed explanation or payoff. Star Wars have, has always had things that seem cool that don't pay off and sure. that maybe they come back in other ways. You know, maybe they come back in the TV shows, in the books, in the video games. Boba Fett is a great example. Boba Fett became this iconic character for what? For what? He hunted he down. Because he looked cool. Because he looked cool. Exactly. But he went out like a bitch. Like he, he got got real easy. And so I, I just think that the people who nitpick this movie as reasons to hate it, like this movie is garbage because the Knights of Ren didn't really do anything. I just think that's bad faith. I just sure. think you're operating under a willful ignorance here. I mean, like we well, mentioned before, J.J. came out, said the critics were right, and that's a good point. There is no right or wrong when it comes to opinions on things. But I firmly believe, and I kind of said this earlier, that you, if your opinions are based on misunderstanding, if they're based on unfulfilled preferences, if they're based on nitpicks, it's important for us to point out that, hey, maybe your original impressions aren't what they think. Sure. And so I kind of wanted to go through well, some of them and ask your opinion on them. Well, I would say before we get into that, I think it's important that we just talk about what happened in this movie. Okay, yeah. Because to me, like there's going to be nitpicks and I have some of my own that I sure. think we can go through. But I, sure. I want to I go into like what was actually covered in this film right. and what we liked and what we disliked right. the, or what we liked. Um, and kind of how the story went, because I think first and foremost, we start out with the scroll, you know, the traditional scroll that that tells that us kind of Star Wars movie sets has. the table for this movie. And, and there's a lot in that scroll. There is. We find out Palpatine's alive. <laughs> there's which enough. Is kind of a big thing. <laughs> there's enough for a whole movie just in that scroll. Exactly. And I get it. Basically, we lot. find out Palpatine's alive and Kylo's searching around trying to find a way to get there to kill him. Yeah, Kylo's pissed that they... I love that. Kylo's literally... Like, the, the it's the dead speak. Like, oh, okay, interesting. It's And Kylo's running around the universe trying to find the clues to go find this this source to take him out because he threatens his power. Yep. I like that. That's yeah. interesting. And I also think, you know, so we've got... You know, people talk about how this half this movie is, you know, a chase for a MacGuffin type of thing. Right. And so Kylo finds his... Wayfinder. Wayfinder. It's a holocron. It's a Sith holocron yeah. that is established canon, been around for a long yep. time. Yep. That takes him to this Sith temple that's obviously in a very difficult place to get to. Expands this world. Like, we learn about hidden places in the universe and right. places that aren't just... Put in the coordinates and fly there type of thing. Right. Like, and we've seen that in other expanded universes. Like we saw Jeddah in Rogue One, which was a yeah. holy spot for the Jedi. We saw Elium, I think it's Elium, in a couple of different things. We just saw that in Jedi Fallen Order, the video yeah. game that they made, which actually got turned into Starkiller Base yeah. in The Force Awakens. So we've seen Jedi holy planets. Mm -hmm. We've never seen a Sith holy planet before. Yeah. And that's what Exegol is. Exactly. So we get that. Um, and then obviously we're, we're, we're into this whole idea of we've got to track this down. We've got to get our own wayfinder to get there right. to prevent this because the emperor's got this entire fleet of 
final crazy order. final order star destroyers sure. Pal- 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 palpatine at yep. it again exactly but i think the thing about this movie is what at least to me, and, and I want to get your thoughts too. Sure. Like this movie is all about continuing the themes that have been throughout the entire Skywalker saga, yeah. which is the balance of light and dark. Yes. And and that balance of light and dark has from the first movie, from the Phantom Menace, yeah. been represented by the Skywalker lineage and the Palpatine lineage. Yeah, because when we enter in... If we if we track back, if when we enter into Star Wars, yeah. if you if you want to count it as Phantom Menace being, do you want to do OT or prequels? Phantom let's, Menace. Let's is let's start from prequels. Episode one. So when we get into Phantom Menace, we're led to believe that, and and, and I don't know all the history off the top of my head. I did sure. read into it, but basically, You're the only mo- a little bit of a nerd. The moment that we come into this movie. Basically, I would argue that the Jedi are in control for the most part. Yep, they're living large, they're happy. So if we're talking about balance in this situation, the light is dominating at this point. And and one of the things that we learn time and time again is that when one side dominates, there's a rising from the other side. From the other side. And so we see that in Dark Sidious and Darth Maul and this kind of smaller faction. Right. Rising up from a dark side. Darth Sidious, who I should mention, ultimately is revealed to be Palpatine, but yep. is behind the scenes. Yes. Pulling the strings. Yes. And so even as we move into Attack of the Clones, again, it starts to come more in balance. Right. Like suddenly the Jedi's oh, start to lose their footing uh-huh. and start to be getting overpowered. Uh-huh. And a lot of them die. Suddenly they're at war. They're and, suddenly they're soldiers instead of peacekeepers. And then we get Revenge of the Sith where it shifts completely and the dark begins to dominate. Yes. Which then leads into a new hope. Right. Where just like when the light was dominating, they had this small faction of darkness that, that started rose. to rise up. Right. We get now Skywalker. Yep. Luke. The light starts rising The light again. starts to rise. And, you know, by the end of A New Hope, the you know, is the darkness is somewhat defeated. Seemingly. Yeah. And Empire, it's kind of in the middle. Uh-huh. You know, one could argue they win. The dark side wins that movie. But again, there's still some balance as far as Luke's getting stronger, which is only bringing the light into right, more the balance. rebellion's getting stronger, whatever. And then you have Return of the Jedi, obviously, where Good the light win. wins. Yeah. And now light is dominating and darkness seems to be gone. You have Vader and Palpatine gone. Right. So we don't really know of anything out there. And then again, when we get into uh, Force Awakens, Mm -hmm. we pick up the story and it seems like darkness is once again. You have the the First Order and you've got Kylo Ren. Right. You've got... You got Kylo running around with a lightsaber. You got right? Snoke. The darkness has risen. There is no Jedi representative. No. Luke has disappeared. Luke has disappeared. Leia's a general. Yep. But there's no like Kylo clearly represent Kylo and and Snoke clearly represent the Sith have risen again. The, even though the First Order is smaller than the Empire, they're holding all the cards. And even over the course of the Force Awakens, like they wipe out the whole Republic, like they certainly rise. Yep. And that's where we get to, in my opinion, kind of these last two movies where we had Ray rise kind of in that first movie. Mm-hmm. But now we have a little bit difference from, and there are some tie ins to Luke and Vader 
from the standpoint of, you know, Luke was tempted by the dark side, but you never really got the sense in the movie that like he was ever actually like close to turning and joining his father. Sure. But again, like according to the Phantom, I mean, again, like we're talking nine, a nine movie saga and in the Phantom Menace, like they were originally talking about, like you got to train to be a Jedi when you're really young so we can learn we can teach you how to suppress all that anger and that rage. And Luke is a teenager. He's old. He's got all that anger and rage already. But but what I'm getting at is in these last two movies, like it's the first time, like it's really felt like it was in balance and we didn't know which side was going to win. Like once, once Ray came back, it was like, okay, Ray seems like an equal to Kylo. Sure. Like, but neither of them, seemed set in which direction that they were going. But it seemed like Kylo could maybe pull over Ray to the dark side. Uh-huh. And it also felt like at times like Ray might be able to pull Kylo back to being Ben. Right. And so there was this whole balance thing. And th- we have to resolve who's the one pulling the strings. And again, we find out that Snoke was just a puppet for Palpatine like a all little, along. Quite literally a puppet. Like but a, that comes back to puppet. literally from Phantom Menace where Palpatine is Dark Sidious in the background pulling the strings. And he's also sweet Senator Palpatine from Naboo. Exactly. And all the way through those first three movies, and right. then when he's the actual emperor that we know, yes, he's involved in all of those. So why not in the last three have Palpatine be involved? Right. To create that cohesion of this whole Skywalker v. Palpatine that's been the theme exactly. the entire way. Exactly. And and I think the only biggest argument against that is that they didn't do their legwork in the first two movies. Sure. They, they explain it in this movie, um, but they don't really do the legwork in Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. You know, they, they don't really ever allude to Palpatine. I don't know that anybody even brings them up. I think, well, you know, actually that's not true because Luke brings up Darth Sidious in The Last Jedi. So there are at least mentions of what Palpatine and Slash Sidious did. But I agree with you in that, like, some people have an issue with this movie of, like, how did Palpatine survive? Where did all these things come from? And yeah, sure, those are questions that go somewhat unanswered. But... A lot of them, it is reasonable to assume. It's reasonable to assume that Palpatine either is a clone of himself because that's what Snoke seems to be. Snoke, we see in the tanks and stuff that Snoke is a clone. And it seems like Snoke was just a failed reject of a clone that was just good enough to get onto the throne and be a puppet, right? I I I would also argue, though, too, like Leia got blown up out of the into space into space yeah. and was able to float her way back to the ship. Right. The emperor is, I would argue the most powerful Sith Jedi ever. Right. And he gets thrown down a shaft, big old reactor shaft. We're not to believe that he couldn't have done something while falling or that if Leia, who Again, we learn more in this movie that Leia did go through Jedi training and embrace right. the Force a little bit more. But we're not to believe that, like, somewhere in that process, like, the Emperor couldn't have, like, salvaged himself. Yeah, and again, I, I, I mean, know the Death Star blows up in that, but we're also talking about the most powerful being in 
the universe at that point. Right, in dark power, dark magic. And Star Wars has a well-known history of chucking people down large holes and having them survive. Darth Maul's alive. Darth Maul got straight up cut in half. And, and he's Robo-Maul. And he's still, he was still kicking around. Luke Skywalker straight up got his hand cut off and got chucked down the shaft. And he survived. So Just it, know it's, it's kind of like, and this is going to pull completely off tangent, but... It's kind of like in 24 when we used to watch it. Oh boy! If, if you don't get the if you don't get the silent countdown, yeah, there's a good chance they're still alive. If there's not a body, if there's not a body, if you don't see a body, there's a good chance that that person breath, is still alive. If there is still breath in them, like even when Maul got cut in half, his arms are still flailing, his legs yep. are still kicking. That's why people seem to think that Boba Fett can come back into play. Sure. Never saw a body. Never saw a body. Sure. We could have Robo Fett somewhere out there. I get it. I mean, they even kill even they even had the decency to kill Jabba the Hutt and strangle him before they blew him up. It's true. So they double tapped him. Exactly. So again, does the movie explain clearly where Palpatine came from? No. But if we use our understanding of the history of this film and the power and the dark side of the force, it is reasonable to assume that he either got cloned or just straight up survived the fall. Yeah. It's reasonable to assume. Well, and let's be let's be straight. When we first meet him in person again, it's not like he's just, you know, dancing around, running around like He's a spring chicken. Like right. the dude looks like he's hooked up on life support. Oh yeah, he's to keep him going. He's strapped into this crazy sci-fi looking crane and whatever. Like so, it's got, not like he's. He looks like a zombie. It's not like he's still in the same state he was when he got thrown down Super the shaft. Super creepy, by the way. Like I thought, I, I don't think Emperor Palpatine has ever been scarier. It's true. Like the way that they shoot him on this planet is like straight up horror movie stuff, and yeah. I was into it. Yeah, you know. Um, I mean, what else do we have? You know, well, like, again, who was Snoke? Well, Snoke was a clone, you know, and this is a this is a question that I've seen a lot of people like we didn't get an answer to it. I mean, you did. He was a meat puppet. He was a clone for for Emperor Palpatine. Is that satisfying to them? I don't know. But you got an answer. Well, my thing, too, is, you know, and some of this will come up as we go through more of these points. But like, what's wrong with? having some stuff left up to the imagination. What's wrong with having things where they don't answer all the questions? Right. Where you can you can make your assumptions. It's great for podcasts. Yeah. We can talk and share our opinion. I think it was this. You think it was that. Right. Neither of them have to be wrong because at the end of the day, they both get us to the point that we are on the screen. I just don't understand how people think that like like those will go unanswered forever. Like it's Star Wars, man. It it the odds are we're going to find out some information, you know, and, and I get the argument. I get people. Somebody wrote an article like I shouldn't have to read a book to understand Star Wars like that's just, You're just being you're just being lazy. Like you're just being obtuse. That's always been how Star Wars is. Now, maybe the things in the films weren't as dependent as what was in the extended material. Fine. But now we're building this cohesive universe. In books, movies, theme parks, video games, television series, whatever. Um, I mean, and there's other stuff too. Like, there's a point in the movie. What do you? Let me ask you this question, David. Because in the movie, they seemingly kill off or make huge impacts on two legacy characters. Mm -hmm. um, the movie makes you think, or tries to make you think, that Chewie's dead, 
um, because Ray blows up a transport with Force Lightning, a little yep. bit of Palpatine coming out yep. of her, right? And it also has C-3PO get his memory wiped completely from scratch. He starts at ground zero again. But both of those reveals are ultimately, they're, you know, they're, 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 I don't know what to call them. They're gotchas. They, they, they're walked back. Some people seem to think that they were walked back. But, like, the transport Ray blew up didn't have Chewie on it. It was a different transport. One of the questions I saw in an article was, like, where'd the other transport come from? There is an establishing shot With of, them, of yep. them loading Chewbacca on there, and there was two transports. You're just not watching. You're not looking. You yeah. know? And sure, maybe the movie moves too fast, and, and that's fine, but I saw it. I, I knew that yeah. they're playing they're playing fake with that. And they really don't keep that secret for very long. Chewie's no. dead for all of like five minutes, you know? Yeah. And so some people get mad about that. Some people thought like, oh, wow, they're really taking some shots and wiping out legacy characters. And then they didn't. And, and I'm fine with that. Like, I'm fine with not killing Chewie, not keeping C-3PO's brain or memory wiped. Like, they restore him. R2 has a backup. It's a little bit of an old backup, but it's still a backup. Yeah. And... I'm fine with that. That why does like oh because it plays it safe. I, I don't get that as a criticism. Like it's fine. I was fine with it. What did you have any issues with that? Did you feel like you were getting clowned or or <laughs> whatever? Like with the chewy reveal or whatever? I, I again, no. Found I no think issue. I think there was a purpose behind it. It wasn't to kill off Chewie. It was to add additional. Conflict and again, to continue to develop Ray's character of seeing the power that she has, and also, you know, how much we're kind of towing this line with both Kylo and Ray of like how easy it would go, it would be for her to go to the dark side, and right. how much she's being drawn right to that side. But and she can't and really I'll, kill Chewbacca. Like that's like that's a step. I mean, too that far. would be going darker than Star Wars has ever gone to have friendly fire accidentally kill a beloved character like that's taking it to another level that's like i'm not going to say game of thrones level but like that's taking it to like a way darker spot than we've ever been sure. and, and maybe people are clamoring for like oh that would be a bold move by star wars but at the same time like it wouldn't be true to the saga and what we've had like right it just wouldn't be true to it you can we can do that in other films that aren't part of this saga like sure we can, you want a gritty one that like baby Yoda dies, all those types of things. Like we can make those bold decisions in other places, but I, I, yeah, I don't, I think, I think I didn't have any issues with it. You know, I, to your point, I kind of saw it coming. I don't know that I actually thought that Chewie was, was dead. It, it would have seemed way off script or out of character for this story. And what do, what do we say? Didn't see a body. And we didn't see a body. And even the C-3PO thing, like before they even wipe the memory, C-3PO says that R2's got a backup. He but said he R2's backups are highly unreliable. So right. like, sure, you're left with that. But again, it's it's more things that allow for, you know, developing of the story. There's a theme in there of talking about like, don't question like droids aren't just droids like sure. droids are can be a whole lot more than just droids right 
And so like we get that throughout the film a couple times. Right. And we got and it to in me solo that, and we get it now. But like that, Dio is a real interesting like a droid who's been abused. But it also to me lends to appreciation to again, this is a saga. This is a eleven movies that have been part of a storyline. Right. And droids have been beloved characters of that. And so giving if we just made this all about Kylo and Ray, it wouldn't be appreciating everything, everybody else and everything else involved right. that made the Star Wars saga. And some people are, well, why did we spend so much time with C-3PO? Why didn't we spend more time with BB-8? Like, I thought BB-8 had a lot of good stuff in this movie, but also C-3PO speaks English. Like, yeah. you just, he's just a more useful character. I, yeah. don't, I don't get it. Yep. Um, another one was uh, Hux. I think that I, now number one, before I get into Hux, I think that Kylo and Ray, particularly Kylo, like universally well received, mm-hmm. like really interesting stuff with their relationship. All their relationships real stuff is really interesting. But I saw a couple people, you know, one of the many articles like this is stupid. Why did it do this? Like, why would General Hux betray the First Order? And he doesn't. He is only betraying Kylo Ren. Like, it is established that Hux and Kylo Ren have, at best, like, a competitive brothers who hate each other relationship. At best. And then, in The Last Jedi, you see Kylo laying on the ground and Hux getting ready to pull out his blaster to put two in him to become the supreme leader. And then Kylo wakes up, Hux puts the blaster back, and then Kylo's tossing Hux around in the cockpit of the ship. And so this movie, it's established that there's a spy in the First Order. And we discover that it's Hux. Yeah. And it's done really well. It's really funny. Hux has always been a funny character. Um, He's like, I'm the spy. And uh, Poe is like, I knew it. And stuff like that. Like, But that makes sense for the character. That tracks with – of course Hux would be the spy telling the Resistance what Kylo is doing. He hates Kylo. He wants Kylo to fail. He wants it so that he can run the First Order. Sure. And I think it's really interesting that you have Allegiant General Pride um, who's uh, this holdover from the original Empire. I wish we had gotten more General Pride in the previous two movies – because that's a really interesting argument to be made about the the, because what has this trilogy been about, right? Like let the past die, and I still think that's true here, but this movie the past pushes back, right? The Emperor pushing back, General Pride as a representation of the Empire straight up shoot gut shots Hux, kills him, and like. Says the emperor, like, I will serve you as I did in the empire. Like, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Does it have enough room to breathe? Maybe not. But did I still enjoy it? Yeah. yeah. I liked all of that. Um, what else do we got, man? I also think anything regarding Carrie Fisher is just ridiculous because they clearly did the best that they had with what they had. And yeah. I found Leia's involvement to be really, really good in this movie and most people have yeah most people have but i've seen people criticize like oh you know leia's storyline doesn't make sense or leia doesn't have enough to do and i'm like that's another bad faith thing like she died before production we had to pull together existing footage and make it work and while that may not make the most ironclad movie 
Mm-hmm. I think it worked really well. And I think it was really powerful. Did you like the Leia stuff? Yeah, I enjoyed the Leia stuff. I think, you know, that was always, they've planted seeds since Force Awakens that if Kylo had a weak spot, that it was his family. Right. It was Han and Leia. Right. And, you know, while it maybe seemed on the surface that he dealt with that in the first movie, the thing that we continue is in Last Jedi, we see Kylo hesitate and not and decide not to blow up the bridge the bridge right. where he knows that Leia is on that his mom's on and so we see that planting of that seed that mm-hmm. maybe he's not completely gone there in last jedi we see that a couple of times mm-hmm. and so it only makes sense to continue that that into this movie that you know the vision of han showing up the right you know, Carrie Fisher or, or Leia's character or Leia using her last energy to reach out similar in a way that Luke did. Right. Like it makes sense that those would be the things that end up pulling the trigger or or eventually turning Kylo back to being Ben Skywalker. So that to ben me Solo. all jived and all made sense. And, and to me is one of the things that I think is one of the more refuting aspects of Rise of Skywalker just discards everything that Last Jedi did. Right. It it definitely ties into it. And let's talk about that a little bit more because I got a couple of other points that are right down that line. First and foremost is is Rose Trico, Kelly Kelly Marie Tran's character. Right. Kelly Marie Tran is amazing in in the Last Jedi. She's yeah. really good. She's an excellent representation of, like I said, that low level resistance fighter who has, has the same emotional stakes. Maybe even greater emotional stakes. Who's finally given a, a place, a mission, something in that regard, right? She represents not only that, but represents the hope. You know, she tells Finn in the Last Jedi, you know, we win this war not by like sacrificing ourselves to take down what we hate, what we hate, but by saving what we love, right? Mm-hmm. And in this movie, I think, admittedly, we can both admit that she has less to do than she did in The Last Jedi. We're not constantly checking in with her on her mission. She stays back at the base, helps run ground operations with Leia, shows up at the final battle, is with the ground troops and things like that. But this movie is about the core characters, and there just isn't any room for Rose there. Now, some people take that as a personal insult. There's been many tweets about, like, I was crying. You know, why'd they have to do Kelly Marie Tran like that and whatever? And I kind of get it. But at the same time, you look at other characters that have been introduced and then not giving, given as much to do in the movie in which they are introduced or in the movie after which they're introduced. It's nothing new. You know, you look at Lando, you look at um, I mean, you look at the characters in The Phantom Menace that just didn't become anything. Yeah. It happens. And I just don't think that there's a big insult there. You know, I, I, I get it. But, like, where, where do you put her in this movie, you know? Yeah, I mean, we're already talking about a movie that was two hours and 22 minutes. Um, could there have been things, you know, could we shorten up the hopping? Sure, but then we wouldn't have explored the universe as much. We could have gone to less planets, sure, and spent a little less time. But again, we wouldn't have explored the universe. We could have not introduced a couple of the new characters that we introduced. Sure. But again, we wouldn't have expanded this universe as much. Like, one of the great things about, I think 
these last three movies is that we explored the universe even more than we did right. in any of the six films before. We and got maybe, introduced to more planets. Like sure. we got introduced to more concepts, more types of uh, characters, more like slight hints at back. Like we had a, you know, a uh, what's burning, her name? That's we had a, a pirate, burning. you know, and things like that. Like all these different concepts. We had a Burning Man festival on Pasana. We had exactly. We had uh, Kajimi. We had uh, Kef Beer, which is where these uh, Death Star remains were found. You yeah. Know? So I mean, there's all these these all, all there's all these concepts that we were able to introduce. And again, I think Rose still has an impact in this film. Yeah. And still stays true. Like people can quibble over, you know whether Finn was trying to sacrifice him again himself again at the end of the movie. Right. I that and was the one thing that stood out to me. Like I get that, but I also don't think what he was doing was necessarily a surefire like I'm not going to make Suicide it back from machine. this. I think it was more like if we blow this up, like we're not going to have much time, so like get everybody on the ship. We'll blow this up <laughs> and maybe we make it back, maybe we don't. But, like, I don't think that was, like, I'm going to go sacrifice myself and blow this thing up. Right. I think it was more, like, once I blow this up, like, this place is going to blow quickly. Like, get on the ship. Sure. If I can get back, great. If not, like, it was worth it type right. of thing. But so, it wasn't stated either way. It wasn't stated either way. Correct. So. Like, in the previous film, he was literally going to ram his ship and blow himself up to sacrifice him. Like, right. there was no, like gray area of like will he survive <laughs> this decision or not like right. he was going to die he yeah. was going to sacrifice he's driving himself. right into the heart of the canon sure um another point uh, going up against why i don't think this is a direct insult to the last jedi they bring up the holdo maneuver and the holdo maneuver is one of the m coolest parts of the last jedi you know the the drop ships are getting gunned down they're getting picked off admiral holdo she turns the main ship towards the first order fleet and puts it in in uh, light speed, and you can't aim at a ship with that. You aim at a position in space, right? Yep. And she like like obviously sacrifices herself for it, but cuts through the first order's flagship, cuts through Snoke's flagship, takes out a boatload of star destroyers. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. One of the main arguments that I've had with somebody before is that, like, why don't they just do that, you know? And my arguments were always you can't aim in, in going into light speed. You can't just aim your ship at another ship. You aim it at a point in space. It's a suicide shot. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't just put it in autopilot and get out of there. It's a suicide shot. And it's not exactly cost effective yeah. <laughs> either. And they bring up that in this movie. They say, like, well, why don't we just do a holdo maneuver? And they're like, no, we can't do that. It was in a one in a million shot. And there are uh, multiple people who I have seen say, like, that is a direct insult to that. That is a direct refuting of that scene. It's not. It's a storyline explanation about why can't we just take out all these ships well, with one shot? And if you remember, too, when that happened... They were out of options. Right. Like they had run as far as they could. Right. They couldn't go to light speed to get away because they were somehow tracking them through right. light speed. Like there wasn't any other options. So 
when there's no other options, you take that one in a million shot. And yeah. so worst case scenario, in my opinion, with that whole maneuver was that she doesn't hit them. She goes into light speed and they track her through light speed. Either way, the others get away from right. that standpoint. And so while obviously, yes, it turned out to be a whole lot better in that she took down a bunch of ships with her. Right. At the same time, like the whole point was. This is a last ditch. This effort. is a last ditch effort. And, you know, in a football game, you throw a Hail Mary. There's a reason you don't throw a Hail Mary in the first quarter. Right. Like every Hail Marys are Hail at Mary. the end of the game. So um, it's a low percentage thing. It's something that you do out of desperation. Exactly. So it's just silly from that standpoint. Exactly. Um, I'll tell you, man, I got a couple other things I want to bring up before we wrap this bad boy up. I think um, I want to talk about number. I mean, we talked a lot about Palpatine already and like what's his plan. But Palpatine, like the movie starts with him telling Ky like Kylo, don't kill me. This whole this whole armada can be yours and it, you can run it. But you got to go kill Ray. Right. So Kylo's like, fine, I'm going to go hunt Ray down. I'm going to go kill her. We're going to go find her. Right. Doesn't get the job done. Ray shows up at Exegol and is like, Papa, hey, Papa Palpatine, like, I'm going to come take you out, right? And then Papa Palpatine's like, good, I want you to take me out. He pulls his bullshit again. Yeah. I don't understand why people are like, Palpatine's plan didn't make any sense or was stupid. He's doing the same thing he's always done. In the prequel trilogy, he has Duke, he has Maul as an apprentice, then he has Dooku as an apprentice, and then when Anakin shows up, he he's... Palpatine has always been like, I'm going to go with the most powerful dude. I'm going to go with whoever has the advantage. I'm going to try and get them on my side. Yeah. Right? He did it with Anakin. Like, kill Dooku. And he twisted Anakin and turned him into Darth Vader, right? Yeah. And then he's running Darth Vader um, through the OT, through the original trilogy, until we get to the Return of the Jedi. And then he's like, yes, kill Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, so then I we can have true power. He changes his bet on what horse he's betting on again he does it again he does it in this movie again it is reasonable to connect palpatine's strategy is just i'm gonna hitch my wagon to the horse that i think is in the lead yeah and i think there's also something to be said about his plan has always kind of come down to the direct plan as well as the backup plan in the sense that his plan was Ray or Kylo first, obviously, then Ray. Right. But the other thing that he knew because he's been manipulating it all along yeah. with setting the two against each other is that if they both came there, he could draw on the power, which is what he did mm -hmm. from both of them mm -hmm. for him to be powerful once again. Exactly. And so he knew that either way, if if Ray strikes me down. Cool. Great. Like my legacy. Lives, on, lives on through my grandchild. Right. If uh, Kylo would have killed Rey, great. The light side is gone. I got the last, the last lineage of Skywalker on my side. And there is no, there is no balance anymore. There's no light right. countering darkness. Right. Kylo's full dark now, and and Rey and, would be dead. And Rey would be dead. And so I think. He has, you know, kind of these these additional plans and things in place that give that opportunity sure. um, for, OK, if this doesn't go right, then I'll go. Just like with, you know, Vader and Skywalker. Right. Vader kills 
kill Luke. Okay, you didn't kill him? Fine. Luke, kill him. <laughs> you kill him right. and let's go. It's, and, and it's the same thing with his, his fleet. Like, Palpatine has exhibited the strategy of building an army on a secret planet before. He did it on Kamino. Granted, we saw that happening and that was part of the mystery of like where did these things come from and basically Palpatine did it through like a shell corporation for lack of a better word but like the same thing is true here the same thing is true of like it is reasonable to assume that he builds that entire fleet in secret it's reasonable to assume that they do that right um i want to wrap this up with one last thing and that's ray's lineage mm-hmm. ray is a palpatine yep now, in The Last Jedi, they, they it, you know, they say, oh, you're nobody, you're nothing, you came from nothing, you have no spot in this story, right? Ray's con- crisis of conscience has always been, what, what is my legacy? Who am I? Where do I belong in this story, right? Last Jedi uh, poses the idea that anybody can be attuned to the Force, anybody can be a hero, right? And I think it still carries forth that message, Right? Finn is clearly force sensitive. The stormtroopers are clearly, or not the storm, not the stormtroopers, but the uh, the the former stormtroopers that they find on uh, Kefbir are clearly force sensitive. Like it exists in the world. Yeah. But by giving Ray Palpatine lineage, what is harder to deal with than having to start from scratch with your own legacy? What's harder to deal with than that? Learning that your legacy is pure evil. Yeah. Like what's harder than being a Williamson or a Melhorn and having to build our own legacy? What would be harder than that is finding out if we were like the great grandsons of Hitler. Like we got to deal with that. Like that and 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 pushing against that legacy. That is why this still carries forth the idea of killing the past. Quite literally, killing the past. Like put your past behind you. You are not your past. And I like that. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, well, and I think to that point, I think, you know, it's hard to make a jump of how could someone like Ray be so powerful so quickly. This with, explains it. This explains it. Like, why would Luke be so afraid of her when he starts to train her? This explains like, it. this would explain, like all those things would explain. And just like... Obi-Wan hid from Luke that he was Vader's child. Yeah, teacher. Similar to the standpoint of Luke hiding that Ray, because you can't tell me that Luke couldn't sense that that's probably a Palpatine. Probably a Palpatine. Or or at least that Obi-Wan knew for a fact. For sure, for for sure, because he helped hide. But regardless, there's a lot of ties that come back to that in the same way. Um, and so I think from that standpoint, it makes sense that she would be that as well as, um, to your point, like for us to be able to put a bookend. The other thing that I really liked about these movies is that the titles were really open-ended and, and left up to interpretation going into them of what it meant. Like you think of the last Jedi, Mm -hmm. like everybody, in the last Jedi was thinking the last Jedi was Luke right. and that this was all about Luke. Right. Then some people thought it was Leia. Some exactly. people thought it was Ray. Who is really the last Jedi? The Force Awakens. Who is the Force Awakening in? Some people still think it's Finn. I still yeah. think it's Finn. 
Sure. Could be Ray. Yeah. And then you get to Could this the where universe. it's the rise of Skywalker. Like a lot of people thought maybe that's Kylo turning back to Ben. Right. And being Ben Skywalker right. to end this movie. But really it was Ray taking up the Skywalker name at the end of the movie. Right. I can choose where my legacy is. Yeah. You know, and this is what I respect and love. David, we got time for one more question. Obviously, Star Wars is going to continue on. We're going to get Disney Plus series. We're going to get more Mandalorian, more video games, new trilogies, new stories. But if you could make one Star Wars movie, we had this discussion. What kind of Star Wars movie would you make? If we could, if you could make one, if you could pull from from anywhere in the universe, if you could pull any idea, mix any genre in. What Star Wars? Movie well, would well, you we make? talked about this, and we did. and this. One, I just think it's a great idea. This, this is my great idea. I don't, I don't know. even have one. I just want to talk about this idea for two minutes. So obviously, we both love Fast and the Furious. We do. So why don't we do like a underground, darker kind of Fast and the Furious style pod racing movie yes. where we explore the underground world of pod racing, I'm in. all the danger that's in it, kind of all the like. You know, all corruption, all that kind of stuff that goes with it, all the colorful characters. Think of that pod racing. For all the issues with the prequels, like right. the pod racing wasn't the issue. Like No, pod racing was great. It was fun, and I there was lots more. of diversity of like drivers and all that kind the of stuff. Racing, we could embrace that even the more. The pod racing game but, was dope because you but, went to different planets. But think of even like you could you could have like we could get like a, a female character or, right. you know – Minority character or something like that. Like no one, there's never been a human other than Anakin Skywalker that's been able to drive a a pod racer. What if one of these nobodies is attuned with the force? Exactly. And able to drive the pod racer and win. And we get through like, you know, all these different ways of like getting into it and all that. Vin Diesel can voice one of the other racers. Yeah, Vin Diesel can, uh, can, can voice a hut. Dude, I'm in on that. I'm in on more Star Wars. I'm excited to see the the universe expand. I'm excited to see what becomes of it. Um, and I'm really glad we got to go on this journey. But that is going to do it for this episode. Don't forget, you can get free episodes delivered to you just by hitting subscribe, just by following us wherever you're listening from. Don't forget to check out patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. Consider giving a couple of dollars to the podcast, becoming a patron, get early access to episodes and other patron only exclusives. Follow us on social media at The Popcorn Diet. And don't forget to check us out, popcorndietpodcast.com, for all of our regular episodes, reviews, articles, and more. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie Jedi, Rick Williamson. And we'll see you next time with a recap of the decade and the year on The Popcorn Diet. Adios.